Welcome to Reactive. My name is Raquel, and I'm here with my co-host, Khalil. Hello. Hi. <laughs> Sadly, we are also missing another one of our co-hosts, uh, Henning, who is sadly out sick today. Um, and yeah. so uh, what I would like to send him is a teddy bear, which um, is not a real bear, but I don't actually have a teddy bear to send to him. So instead, you're going to get bear facts. Um, very good, very good. <laughs> <laughs> well done. So, did you know... <laughs> That um, uh, bears uh, have excellent senses of smell, sight, and hearing. They can smell food, cubs, a mate, or predators from miles away. That's like many kilometers. Like many, many kilometers. Many, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, their great eyesight allows them to detect when fruits are ripe. It's like they Ooh. know when fruit is ripe. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um they uh, also, they have the ability to grieve. Um, cubs are known to moan and cry when separated from their mothers. This can go on for weeks if their mothers are killed by hunters. Oh, no. Which is so sad. That's so sad. Um, uh, but, but in good news, bears are extraordinarily intelligent. They have far superior navigation skills to humans, excellent memories, uh, a large brain-to-body ratio, and use tools in various contexts from play to hunting cool. so that's pretty cool bears are super cool yep yes agreed also the word bear in in german is one of my, my favorites because it's three letters but it's got an umlaut in it because mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> umlauts are just awesome yeah bear. pretty much yes anyway how you doing good how are you Good. It's uh, it's 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 been a week. Mm -hmm. It's been a week. <laughs> uh, it's, it's only Wednesday, uh, which is our recording day. Um, and uh, it's 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 been a week. Yeah. Yes. And yes. Hopefully, you can't hear my dog barking. But oh, she's I can hear. I can hear your dog. Barking. Yeah. So oh. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's dog. all good. My dog, my dog is also complaining about the week. Yeah. She's just like, goodness gracious! It has been a heck of a week, and now. Obviously, someone is trying to attack our house by putting mail into the mailbox. The worst, <laughs> just the worst. How dare they put mail in the mailbox? Violating our our Perimeter, home property. Yeah, Goodness, <laughs> I should go back to sleep now because it sounds like they're gone. <laughs> oh, uh, so what's hilarious. going on for you this week? What what news? <laughs> what news um so let me think i'm um there was uh, a lot um going on and a lot of things that i bookmarked for the show um oh oh so yes so the biggest drama um i guess is the whole node um board thingy yeah. where everybody is kind of stepping down well, not everybody, but certain people are stepping down who can't take it anymore. Right. Exactly. Yes. Just so that was just very recently. Uh, yeah. And I've now read, um, I think, two or three blog posts from active or from very kind of prolific 
uh, Node.js community members that said, I'm, st I'm stopping everything when it comes to Node. Yeah, um, yeah uh, I guess you're a little closer to the whole thing than me, so would you mind to... Uh, to uh, summary? Summary, yes. Yeah, yeah, so I will summarize. Um, so basically what happened is um, there was a vote um, on the Node uh, Core Technical Committee, I think it was, the CTC. Um, so note that the Node Foundation is uh, an executive, like, so the Node Foundation takes care of Node now. So Node, once upon a time, was owned by a company um, called Joyent. Um, and then several years ago, um, some people kind of felt like if Joyent goes down, the Node goes down, and that would be really bad for the world. So Node should really not be part of a company. It should be kind of its own thing, um, its own nonprofit, kind of like jQuery or um, Python or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, so, so the Node Foundation, I mean, I'm skipping a lot on this there's i'm sure we did an episode about this at one point in fact mm -hmm. um but uh but basically long story short they created the node foundation and within the node foundation so originally node was uh like the the decisions for node were ultimately made by a, a person a single person um called the bdfl the the benevolent dictator for life Mm -hmm. um, with the Node Foundation, with the creation of the Node Foundation, um, the Node, the folks who created the Node Foundation decided that they didn't want all the power to lie within one person. Mm -hmm. They wanted it to be committee run. So they created a bunch of different committees, one of which is the core technical committee. Um, and then there's another one called the technical steering committee. I think originally they were one committee and then they split up into two. I don't remember why. Um, it's just my understanding that they are separate. Um, from there, um, the core technical committee, I think it's the core technical committee that that is having all the shenanigans right now. It might be the technical steering committee, but which, whichever. Um, one of them, uh, it's, it's basically decisions about um, the, you know, different bits about code and like um, the, the like node core specifically and uh, doing the releases and all of that good stuff. Um, and one of the members of that committee uh, named Rod Vag um, has uh, been documented as violating the code of conduct in, in various different ways. Um, and I'm, by the way, I'm actually, I'm trying to be used as non-biased here as possible. I'm trying to just state the facts. Um, so somebody went in and documented the different ways in which uh, uh, Rod Vag violated the code of conduct, and um, and then it was brought to a vote. So in order to be to be removed from a committee within the Node Foundation, you have to either resign or there needs to be a majority vote to kick you out. Mm -hmm. um, and so there was a vote, and uh, of the eleven people on the committee, um, which includes Rod, Rod did not vote. Two people abstained, three people voted to kick Rod out, um, and then the rest voted not to. Mm -hmm. And so um, the three people who voted to kick Rod out uh, for violating the code of conduct um, decided that if if the node if, if the committee has a code of conduct and it's not even being applied, 
then uh, they felt that it was no longer worth it for them to be part of the committee because they were not being part of a, a group that, you know, stood by its code of conduct. And I'm sure that there's even more details to it, which you can read on the various blog posts that people have written. Um, but ultimately, they decided to step down instead of continue to participate in that committee. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where things get funky. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, so then then the, the Twitter was a flutter um, with uh, people talking about codes of conduct and the importances thereof and um, all sorts of other things. Um, unfortunately, it sounds like, uh, well, so from the perspective of the community as a, at large, um, it is possible, like, I don't know, there's, there's still a lot being determined. There are lots of other little meetings happening and uh, different committees are talking about things and trying to decide what to do. Um, at this point, because the vote already happened, they can either call another vote uh, to decide whether or not to ask Rodbag to leave or um, they could just stick with their vote. And then the only other way for Rodbag to leave would be for the executive committee of the Node Foundation. So basically the Node Foundation board itself uh, to vote to dismantle that committee, which would then uh, ask everybody to leave. So there's there's a bunch of questions. There's a lot of uncertainty. Um, some folks are feeling like uh, if Node doesn't, if the Node Foundation doesn't figure this out, then um, it's actually pretty dangerous for Node itself because if the foundation kind of lose all loses all of its support, then it won't get any money. Mm-hmm. And if there's no money, then they can't release Node, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, from the perspective of, it, of NPM, we're watching closely. We are, um, but we're not entirely like we're, we're we're still waiting to see what happens is basically what we're, what we're doing. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. It's a thing. <laughs> it's, a, it's a crisis. <laughs> a <little bit. laughs> it is. It's a little bit. I, I think, I think people are pretty, um, pretty upset about it. So yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. I'm, I, I trust that, uh, the people, throughout the node foundation are not just sitting on their hands on this one. They're actually trying to, to figure out what the heck is actually going on and make, a the best decision that they can. Um, you know, in terms of my own personal opinion, I think, uh, I think if you have a code of conduct, you have to be willing to, um, use it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, that's, that's, I think that's kind so. of, it makes it very clear how uh, having a code of conduct without enforcing it rigorously just creates problems. Because I, d- yeah. I don't understand why there was even a vote. If there's, if it's uh, well documented that the code of conduct was violated, then the only way how this works is that the, post- the person gets kicked out. There's right. no other That's way. That's kind of how I see it too. I don't, I don't understand why there's, and I think. I think that's where a lot of the drama is coming from, yeah. uh, that there are some people who are like, well, we didn't think it was that bad, 
like, yeah, he violated the, the code of conduct, but we didn't think it was that bad. So, mm-hmm. you know, we shouldn't have to kick him out for that. Uh, and other people are like, but he violated the code of conduct. So I, it doesn't matter if it's that bad or not that bad. And actually it kind of was that bad. Um, yeah, it, but, it is that you know, bad if, it's, if there's a code of conduct. <laughs> That then mm-hmm. those things are in there, the rules are in there for a reason. And if they're violated and repeatedly violated and there's no kind of um, um, change in sight for that person, mm-hmm. like it's clear that person just is not on board with the code of conduct, yeah. then that is a toxic person for, for the organization, period. Mm-hmm. There's just no, totally there, agreed. nothing to really talk <laughs> You know, no. <laughs> nothing else to say, really. <laughs> so, I mean, I think I think it just kind of falls into the same uh, brilliant jerks, right? Like, you've, I'm sure you've heard exactly. of that phrase. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, no, no team benefits from a brilliant jerk. None. Like, like studies show over and over and over again that, like, you can teach somebody how to code. You can't teach somebody how to be a better person if they are not willing to be a better person, right? Exactly. Like it's just, it's just not something you can teach somebody if they're not willing to learn it. And so it's like, you know what? <laughs> I don't want jerks on my team. Um, and yeah, so it's it's just it's very very blatant that way. It's like no, yeah, get out. <laughs> it's unfortunate. It's uh, yeah, it's uh, sad, but yeah. Um, hopefully they'll figure it out. I hope so. Mm-hmm. I hope so. Because uh, if not, then then the node the node team will just be a collection of uh, brilliant jerks or bril- mm-hmm. brilliant to not so brilliant jerks. <laughs> <laughs> Do we have opinions? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Which. Well, you know what's going to happen then. Uh, what's going to happen then is going to be a new fork. Yeah. Uh, oh, there's already been a few forks. I don't think any of them have caught any major steam like IOJS. What do you mean? Um, since since that happened, there was more forks. Oh yeah, no, no. I I know somebody who uh, on Monday, as things started to heat up, said, "You know what? I've been wanting <laughs> to fork it for a while. I'm just going to do it now." Okay. Uh, so I think there have been a few, a few people okay. who are just like, "Yep, gonna fork it now." Okay. Um, so we'll see, we'll see okay. what happens. Yeah. Well, I guess if they don't get their shit together, then then some fork will have to go on and uh, be the better version of Node or something. I don't know. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. <sighs> anyway. 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 Yes. What else is happening? What else is happening? Medium is becoming ugly, slowly but surely. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm very sad. Yeah, I'm very sad. They, they changed their logo again, right? Yes, and it's very sudden, and it's very weird, in my opinion. Yeah. Like To me, also what they did is they removed the heart that was a recommend, right? You could, you could like, so to speak, right. a post, and it would recommend yeah. the post, right? And they yeah. introduced the claps. And now you can like basically like an, an article multiple times, and then it's it's recorded as applause. And it's so weird because it not it doesn't really work for for articles. Like nobody is gonna sit there and like 
you know, click a thousand times. Now, this article is so great. I'm going to click it 50 times. Uh, <clears throat> oh, really? You can you can applause multiple times? Is you that can applause as much as you want. You can applause thousands of times if you want. And then it, it just you see the counter go up. And uh, so that's the one thing. Also, the, the applause icon looks really weird. And mm-hmm. so they introduced the whole applause thing in their um, other feature. It's called, what is it called? Series, I think. And that's basically k- kind of like a Snapchat kind of version of Medium, where it only works on uh, mobile. And you can basically, you can build stories out of pictures and snippets of texts and then swipe through like or or press next 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 like like on snapchat you know Hmm. and and in the end there was always the clapping hand symbol and you could tap on that as as much as you wanted in order to applaud the story or whatever so that Hmm. they moved that thing into overall medium and um and i read an article about um where I read an article about this feature and this design, the designer who wrote the article, he was basically criticizing the feature because, and he was saying that he really loves Medium and he was very, um, always very impressed with uh, the design and the um, attention to detail and um, in Medium. And what he noticed was that Medium always used used the print metaphor metaphor for um, to to. to for in in order to name things so um there were articles there were publications if you know if you have a blog on there or yeah any kind of you know branded kind of publication it was called publication and also the heart was called recommend and that's also something Mm -hmm. that a reader would do you know like recommend Mm -hmm. a book or recommend an article um so everything was kind of in that vein and and this this um, clap thing, clap feature. Now, this was the first thing that kind of broke out of that metaphor because nobody claps for an article. You know, you like it and mm-hmm. you recommend it to somebody if if you like it, but you don't sure. sit in front of the article and then <laughs> clap. And um, yeah, <clears throat> so he thought that was weird and he was kind of worried. And and I thought, and and that also, like, I was confused by the feature. And that, after reading that article, I also got worried. And then the next day, suddenly, boom, they released this new logo, and it's literally just a font. Like, I, I, I really the the green logo really grew on me. It was an an abstract M, and it kind of was mm-hmm. cool, and it really fit to the rest of the look and feel of the site. And and this mm-hmm. new logo is basically just an M in some font and serif font, and it's yeah does not it's really it really bites itself with the rest of the design and mm. like I find it so weird like the medium this the because also they're using a serif font in the body of the articles and it's not the same one and then it's kind of. It's it's just off. It's off. It's off. It re- I really don't like it. I and it feels to me like like something or somebody from the inside is now eating up all this good work that they've done and making it mediocre and weird and and watering it down. And I've I'm very worried. There's also the the icon of the app now also 
has this new this this m and this new font but not only that it also has like a stylized article so you know like little lines that go from left to right and that symbolizes an article basically or a paragraph symbolizes a paragraph and it's positioned so weirdly on that icon it just looks really ugly and um so that and i'm looking i i had the medium app on the home screen of my phone because i used to read medium every now and then and uh and yeah basically just for that and then and also like the logo and how it looked the little icon and i can't do it anymore i have to remo- have to remove it from there i'm, no. I'm thinking I'm, I'm really thinking no because it's really sticks out as a little ugly little piece in there it's just so weird and like i'm really i'm really offended like my my kind of aesthetic senses are offended by this because but you know what you know why because because i thought when it comes to design and how they implemented the um the editor on Mm -hmm. medium the web you know on the web and everything i mean it was just so well done i really i'm i was so impressed and and i really and really really enjoyed the design of medium and how well it was crafted and the attention to detail and just how it how just just how it looked and how it felt to use it and um and i thought that they were really ahead of um basically everybody when it came to publishing online and blogging online and stuff when it comes to the mm-hmm. to look and feel like my my aesthetic senses were very pleased and now and then and then now this happens and i'm just I'm really appalled. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like I have to get off because my blog is on Medium, and I feel like I have to. I'm I'm now thinking. Oh, no. I'm now thinking about okay, which static site generator am I going to use? Like that's where my oh, thought is no. at. I'm a, I'm really I'm mad. Like I I don't want this anymore. Oh, I'm off oh but what? You, so like, but at the same time, didn't Medium like with the applause feature? So first of all, like I haven't really. I remember clicking on it once, but. How do you unclick then? No, there's like, no unclick. If, there's no unclick. Oh no! But what if you accidentally click it? It's like I don't know. Pause this. No, no. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah. yeah. You know, like, like if you, the, if you accidentally you click on a Nazi post or something. Yeah, and then and then what do you do? You go to every single other post that you've ever liked, and then. Make sure you click that one like seventy times more, just to like <laughs> you know overbalance it. I don't know. Um, but then the other thing is I heard that the the point of the applause was to help monetize the site in a way that like mm-hmm. writers could get paid. Which no, all of this is done all of this is done because they're currently trying the the sole focus or the 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 big the biggest priority at Medium is to find a way to monetize. And mm. so they're trying to do things. I don't know how the logo change helps to monetize it. I don't know. Maybe it's supposed to make it more accessible uh, for more people or something like that um, visually. But mm. um, yeah, and and it, I, it just looks to me that there's there's like pushing features and trying stuff out, but at the same time, it's just it's just um, done hastily and mm-hmm. not with as much care as before. It seems to me. Mm. I'm very disappointed. Disappointed. Very disappointed. You're not mad. You're just disappointed. <laughs> yeah. 
I'm disappointed. I'm oh, disappointed. Um, yeah. But oh, hey, I'm it's a, it's a for-profit company that never made profit yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think uh, I have no insider knowledge on this, but I think they might be in a little bit of trouble, and they're just yep trying to figure out how to. I think that's evident. Yeah, exactly. It just it just doesn't feel <clears throat> like. If only with me. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, next time they should really talk to you first. <laughs> exactly. And, and, and check to see how first you feel about it. Call me medium and ask me if this is a good idea. I'll let you know. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Oh, goodness. goodness yeah. So what else is going on on your side there? What have you seen? Uh, well, okay, so I actually, this is this is not a, a necessarily a public thing, but um, like not like on on the internet. Um, but uh, so I recently moved uh, to a new house in, in the Bay Area, and um, one day I was uh, like I was I was coming home, and I realized that around the um, the key, like the key, uh, what's it called? drum like the like where you where you put your key in the barrel and then like turn like right around it there was like these lights and i was like what are these lights about and um and on on the back side of of the or like the inside of the door there's actually this huge housing so i was like i wonder if there are batteries in here or something mm -hmm. and i pull it apart and sure enough there were no batteries in it but um but like it had space for batteries um, which is why the lights didn't didn't turn on. Mm -hmm. um, and it turns out that it's a Bluetooth enabled uh, door lock. And so I was like, oh, interesting. Um, and and I decided to investigate a little bit. And um, and it was it's a it's a Kivo lock. Um, it's is the name of the product uh, mm -hmm. K E V O. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I looked online to see like how have people hacked into them and things like that just to mm. see like if I turn this on am I basically making my house susceptible <laughs> to hackers exactly um, but uh, but it doesn't talk to Wi-Fi um, all it does it's it's just Bluetooth now the weird thing is that you have to download the app which in order to download the app you do have to um, like give them like you have to do a login and stuff like that but it's really just to have like a a wireless um, like set of keys or something. And the idea is that you generate a Bluetooth key between like a pair is between your phone and the lock. Um, and you can unlock your door with your phone. Um, the benefits of this are, let's say you are an Airbnb host or you have family coming over, but you're not going to be home or something like that. You can give them, uh, you can create a key uh, and send it to them. And then they can use that key to get in and out of your house. And you can put like a time limit on the key and all sorts of other things. And that way, like even if you're not home, you don't have to give them a key specifically, like a like a you know three-dimensional metal key. You can just send them the key on your phone on their phones and then they can use their, their phone to get in and out. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, this is kind of cool. I'll try it out for a little while, give it a go. Mm -hmm. um, I sent my husband a key, but his phone refused to pair with, okay. the, <laughs> with the lock. So he had to just keep using a regular key, which, you know, fine. Okay. Um, 
and it was fine. It was kind of cool. Every time I you know, came home, whatever, it was actually a little annoying because I had to wait for my phone to pair with my key or for, wait for my phone to pair with the lock before I could unlock it and lock it. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have preferred if it had just kind of like known, all right, I'm entering the house, please unlock. I'm leaving the house, please lock or something and just did that on its own. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it did. And then it did do it on its own, except I was like, I was open. I had the door open and I was trying to like, uh, grab my bag from just inside the door. And as I'm walking through the door, the lock decides to lock. And so like, I couldn't even close the door because the deadbolt was activated. (laughs) So I had to use the key to unlock the door so I could close the door so I could lock it. And so I locked it. And then my phone was like, oh, I guess you're coming in. And it unlocked it. So I walked away from the house and the fo- and the whole door was completely unlocked. And I was like, this is so stupid uh, that oh, I just God. took the batteries out. And I was like, well, this is this is dumb. Mm-hmm. I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> Game oh, over. No longer. Wonderful world of Internet of Things. Exactly. The yeah. Internet of Things continues <laughs> to disappoint. Um, exactly. So. <laughs> I am disappointed. Once again, I'm so disappointed. There was so much potential promise in this because, mm-hmm. you know, it could have been cool. And no, no. And when it comes to my house, you get one chance mm-hmm. to mess up. Yep. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, you get zero chances to mess up. That's mm. it. You get zero chances. So you mess up once and it's over. Yep. Um, so I said, forget it. I'm out. See you later. It's a wise choice. Yeah. Yeah, but I wanted to share with the listeners in case y'all were thinking, you know what, maybe I could get it. Now, I will say this. I had the version one of the the Kivo whatever. Um, There is a version two. I'm probably not going to get it. I'm not. (laughs) I mean, the only reason I had this in the first place was because it was there when I moved in. (laughs) So I was like, oh, cool. I'll give this a try. Now I, I, no. No thanks. Do not want. Yeah, I think it's also might be already be uh, uh, a little bit of a red flag when it's already installed and you weren't able to, you know, do research and choose that the Bluetooth lock maybe yourself because, of course, there's Mm going to be lots of crappy ones, you know. Yeah, well, so I did a lot of research, actually, and and it is no less secure than a regular uh, door lock. Okay. Which, you know... for better or for worse (laughs) right but it's it's more stupid apparently yeah it is way more stupid it's it's too smart for its own good which makes it really dumb (laughs) it's so smart that it's dumb again yeah yep (laughs) (laughs) okay so So, uh so that's it's not a smart home it's more like a dumb home it's it's an idiot home yeah (laughs) (laughs) the idiot of things (laughs) the internet of things all right sorry anyway yeah so that's that okay very interesting (laughs) Mm -hmm. so stay away from the bluetooth locks everybody yeah stay away don't do it don't do it it. oh (laughs) and there was a whole kerfuffle about the react license again there was again but i don't think anything really changed Oh, no, no, right? no, nothing changed. It's just that the Apache Software Foundation put 
the uh, React license on a list, on a blacklist. Mm -hmm. So that means that the software, the Apache Software Foundation, so it, it means that with some Apache products, you can't use... No, it actually means that all these products in the Apache Software Foundation, they can't use React anymore. They can't mm -hmm. use any... Just no, it's just React specifically. The no, I think it's the BSD plus patents license. So any mm -hmm. um, software software that has this type of pi, uh, uh, license, they can't use it. So those projects definitely. For instance, uh, Jan Lennart he wrote a he wrote the best article I think um, explaining the whole thing um, in mm -hmm. simple terms, and um, and he works. On the couch, DB. Mm -hmm. It was on CouchDB. Yep. Yes, and um, so they were using React for something in the some admin uh, backend or something like that, and they, for instance, have to they're figure trying to figure out what they have to do now because they most likely have to rewrite it or port it to something that has a different li license, mm -hmm. and um, <clears throat> because of that, because that happened, basically. Um, the ASF said, uh, BSD plus patents bad. We don't want. Um, now this whole thing, now uh, kind of the whole discussion and the, and people trying to figure out what what does BSD plus patents really mean? Like, what is it? What is the problem here? And can this happen to any company now that suddenly the license is forbidden to be used with some some other software? And then you have to rewrite it, um, or you know, uh, have to just yeah, or have to port it to some other uh, to some other software or something like that. So, I think the the fear kind of struck into people's hearts by that a little bit. <laughs> and uh, but it doesn't. So it seems to be for most people, it really just means nothing. Mm. So it seems to be uh, a license that. Um, just ensures that if you, your company, if uh, you, Raquel, you have Raquel Incorporated and you are mm -hmm. using React in your company, right? Mm -hmm. And then at some point you've kind of figured out, oh, um, it looks like a, um, Facebook stole some patent that you own, right? Mm -hmm. So if that happens... And it doesn't have to do anything with React or anything. Could be some patent for like a Bluetooth lock or something, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, for instance, they have that patent, or you have that patent, and they also implement it with the same, and they use the same technology, and you want to sue them for that. Now, because you are using React in some in some website, right, for your company, you can't do that. that that's all it is, really. <laughs> <laughs> if you sue us we're taking away all your toys exactly just don't sue us i mean exactly. i think it's I, I think it's i think it's it's a typical facebook um it, it seems to it me typical like facebook, they're, yeah. they're trying to like prevent people from suing them by holding their technology hostage mm -hmm. right it's kind of like oh you really like you know you really like milk mm -hmm. great well, uh, as a dairy farmer, if you decide to, like, you know, be angry about, like, the color of my barn, 
then I'm just not going to let you have any milk. Right. You're like, you don't get to hold the, the ah, stupid. And it's, it's oh, interesting. Okay. There's so Apache, um, Jan said in his article, there's some Apache license that has actually a similar setup, but it, it is different in it's, I think it was a, it was a database or something. I'm not sure anymore, but it was different in the sense that they only forbid you to sue them. If you, um, if you're suing because of something that you built with their software. Mm-hmm. So if you build something with their software and you're saying, oh, uh, but Apache or this, this other software that I'm using or the company that provided that software, they're doing, they're using a patent that I invented with their software, then you mm-hmm. can sue them, which kind of, that makes kind of sense. You know, you don't want to. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, so many of the licenses like the, you know, um, the BSD license, the MIT license, the, you know, whichever, like the really basic ones are like, you are using this as is. We are not responsible for what you decide to do with it, which means we're not responsible if you find a bug or whatever, like you can't sue us, which I think is totally fine because that's open source. That's just open source. It's like, you know, some, some person has spent a bit of their free time making this thing if it doesn't work perfectly, don't sue them. Just put in a pull request. Come on. It's a lot easier that way. It yeah. costs a whole lot less money. Oh, goodness. Yeah, and, and Facebook's license is just much more broad. It's just it's like a defensive weapon. It's just like they, they're making a cool front-end uh, uh, library, and then, and then because it's so cool, everybody uses it, and now they're in all the companies, and none of them can sue them for anything anymore just because they're using React. It's funny. I mean, but yeah, it's apparently they're inundated uh, with frivolous lawsuits mm. um, or not so frivolous. No. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, they're copying so much, so I can imagine that mm-hmm. um, they, 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 take, they, they take, basically take anything they can that can reduce those lawsuits for them. That's kind of mm-hmm. what it feels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 The companies, tech industry, burn it all. Burn it all. Burn it down to the ground. Just burn it all to the ground. Um, there was a, an article this week um, in which um, um, K-Pow goodness, I can't remember her first name now, all of a sudden. Um, I'm going to call her, oh, Ellen, Ellen Powell, um, EKP, sorry. Um, Ellen Powell, who, she was the one who sued the VCs for, like, so she worked at a VC. She used to be the CEO of Reddit, actually. Um, But before that, she um, worked at a VC firm, and she sued them for sexual harassment um, and lost the case. Um. And it was a, a big thing. And she she wrote a book, um, a chapter or a, a, a section, a piece of it, an excerpt. There we go. An excerpt of which was posted online. Um, and she basically told her side of the story of um, what happened and why she decided to sue and, and all this stuff. And 
It was really enlightening and incredibly depressing <laughs> because, um, you know, she, she sued for a good reason and totally lost. Mm-hmm. Um, and ultimately the reason she lost was because, um, the other side had more money and more lawyers and than she did. And, uh, yeah. the part that bugs me the most about the whole judicial system is that it's not always fair mm-hmm. and just, <laughs> you yeah. think since the word just is in the word justice, mm-hmm. it would, but it's, it's like uh, ham and hamburger or Java and JavaScript. Um, mm-hmm. it's not really, <laughs> the two are not necessarily the same. Um, yeah, so it's a little, little depressing. But at the same time, uh, she paved like her lawsuit paved the way for a lot of other people to to sue uh, their various employers and win, um, which has been really kind of more heartening. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that was a that was an eye opener of an of a of an excerpt of a you know, article. So I'll, I'll put that in the show notes too if anybody's interested in reading it. Cool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, yeah. What else is going on? Somebody posted a cool core question into uh, the Slack chat today, I think. And the question was, what's the most important lesson you've learned as a software engineer? And there are a lot of interesting answers. What uh, would be your answer? Most important lesson I've learned as a software engineer. Um, having only thought about it for the last five seconds, uh, I would say never stop learning. Mm-hmm. You know, like like the day you stop learning is the day you are obsolete, you know, <laughs> especially in this industry especially if you're doing anything front end related mm-hmm. it's like forget it if you're not learning something new every single day you will just simply never keep up it's already the, the case i would say that mm-hmm. if you're just getting started there's no way that is literally impossible for you to learn everything exactly. like maybe if you started in the 1980s <laughs> just as things were starting to kick off and you learned the things as they came up mm. maybe you would know everything right now but <laughs> the, prolifer- the 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 proliferation of frameworks and languages and methods and standards and etc 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 that happen every single day mm. um there's just no way there's just no way that you would learn it all. So the only way to keep going is to keep learning. Mm-hmm. But you? Um, yeah, I, I answered that question in the Slack chat today um, already. But um, yeah, so for me, I think the most important one is mm, keep it simple. That's the, mm-hmm. that's the biggest one. <laughs> and 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 also that there's really there's some important skills that you only get through experience and for me that is kind of having the having the foresight um a little bit at least um to see which kind of decisions would make a um would make a, a project unmanageable long term 
Mm. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like if you mm-hmm. if you overcomplicate it in the beginning and you get yourself in a rut, or how you use certain tools when you start when you very very early start to over optimize or over or you um, use your tooling a little bit different as it was than it was intended to um, because you just want to or because your project has specific demands or might have them at some point or something like that all these things kind of tend to then culminate into um something that is not easy to to get to update or to extend or to um uh to implement features into um or to add features and um Yeah, so kind of that sense, a little bit of a spidey sense for that uh, is something that mm-hmm. I only got with experience. So experience mm-hmm. is important. Is also something that I learned um, because you really, really learn how much simplicity, uh, how important simplicity is, especially for the long term um, mm-hmm. on a project. Um, that was one of yeah. the biggest for me. <clears throat> yeah, it's funny because... <laughs> in my in my relatively short tenure as a as a software as a web developer mm-hmm. um i've been doing it for almost six years now um which you know compared to many people who are starting right now six years is a pretty decent amount of time mm-hmm. compared to my colleagues at npm i'm like <laughs> some of them have been doing this for like 20 some odd years um maybe longer mm-hmm. uh which is amazing but um I get so impatient about that experience piece because I'm like, I already know how to do this. I know how to do this thing. Why am I still doing it? And then it's not, and it's not something that you can actively learn, right? Like it's um, unlike, unlike syntax or um, architecture. I mean, actually I would even argue architecture is something that you can't actively learn. Um, There are just things that you learn over time that uh, the learning comes from all of the mistakes you made in the past mm-hmm. and you learn what not to do um, and what to do, like based on what was successful, but you have to do things wrong in order to gain that experience. And that is just the hardest for me because mm-hmm. I just, I want to do it perfectly. I want the A plus, I want the hundred percent. I want the the good grades all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so when I like mess something up or I break something, it's just like, oh no, I failed. And it's like, and everyone looks at me and they're like, no, <laughs> you didn't <laughs> fail. I think, I think in the last couple of years, I've finally gotten to the point where I'm like, oh yeah, no, my code was crap. So let's just replace it. Uh, that's fine. I have <laughs> no problem with that. I don't feel even remotely offended. In fact, I will help you. Like, mm-hmm. get me a match. I'm gonna burn it down too. <laughs> Right. <laughs> Let me light the first match, right? Like it's it's uh I think I think it's 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 super frustrating though. Like finding the patience to like let your brain learn without actively shoving stuff into it. Because mm-hmm. like you can learn every single new frame web framework out there, but it's not until you've seen a few of them that you'll know which one is right to use when. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Yeah, those yeah. are things that you just can't you can't explain to anybody because keep it simple is something that is is easier said than done, especially if you don't have a lot of experience. Because right. you might be a good programmer, um, 
and you might be all excited about all the things you know and then and that's that's and then it's very easy to to pack all these things in because that's what you think pro programming is at that mm -hmm. point and you don't realize that hey maybe i don't need this right now maybe i don't need this right now maybe i don't need this right now maybe i just need to make it work first you know and with, <laughs> at the in the simplest way possible and then right. maybe i need to optimize it then and then when i get some data and i know oh okay this should be faster then i make it faster and stuff mm -hmm. like that you know and mm -hmm. many times um not as that's what i've seen when with with uh, programmers who weren't that experienced they make they they like to overthink it and then make it all fast and perfect as fast mm -hmm. as perfect as fast and as perfect and as clever and all that stuff as possible i mean it's i'm not saying anything mm -hmm. new here this is a very you know it's yeah. been written about a billion times it's just interesting <laughs> to <clears throat> actually experience it and it's something that you mm -hmm. only really understand or start to understand when you have a certain amount of years experience in that field. Oh gosh, it sounds almost like I'm, I'm putting myself into the, into the, the, like the feet of a, of like somebody who's brand new to the industry. Uh, it basically sounds like, and you're going to say this to your kids so much, Khalil, to be like, you'll understand when you're older, <laughs> you know, you'll understand when you're more experienced. And it's like, I don't want to wait. Just tell me now. <laughs> and this is how you know that Khalil is a far better human than I am. And I'm secretly five years old forever. Because <laughs> I'm just like, I don't want to. What do you mean? I hated it. I hated when my parents were like, you'll understand me when you're older. You'll understand me when you like, you know, have to pay your own bills. You'll understand me. And it's like, Meh. and now as I'm older, I'm like, I understand. I understand. <laughs> Where? Still still <laughs> crying, though. <laughs> Heck yeah, still crying. That's my prerogative, and I will take it. Give me a cookie. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, but that's a really cool question. I'm, I'm sure that yeah. there are other really, really great. Yeah, um, yeah, there are lots of really good answers in the uh, yeah. core, on the core page. Okay. Which the link will be in the show notes as well, of course. Yes. Because we aim and to please. And Slack channel, which you yes. know. Which <laughs> you could totally be. Yeah. People could yeah, totally be. And, and something uh, pretty interesting. Uh, Jason Miller of Preact fame. Um, mm -hmm. He tweeted something, else, uh, something out on Sunday. And he said, I spent a few weeks building a Preact compiler in Polymer, View, and Preact single file components out highly optimized Preact components. And that's interesting. Hmm. Um, he used other people's, like what some might consider to be competitors. Exactly. Used the competitors' code bases to rebuild his code. Yeah. That, so, so basically, you you can make an application, and mm -hmm. you can use diff you can use Polymer components or mm -hmm. Vue components or Preact components in the same application, and run it mm -hmm. through that um, compiler, and it will then make just 
Preact code out of it, which is also then highly optimized. These these components have to be single file components, though, which means okay. that everything needs to be in one file. I guess. Right. I mean, what else could it mean? <laughs> uh, yeah, but this is this is interesting, and also um, Sean Larkin Larkin of um, Webpack fame. He's kind of the uh, PR machine of Webpack. He um, is also kind of. He was talk. I don't know if he if he is in any way also involved with this, but he was um, promoting it, and he was also saying that um, he was he was contacting other framework developers to basically make this possible, so that there is um, interoperability between all mm -hmm. the frameworks when it comes to components. Um, cool. Which is that's really cool because it, yeah. If you have like some compile step that just <clears throat> just eats all the different components from all the frameworks, that would be really cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so too. I think it's I think it's neat because it on some level. Okay, so from a community standpoint, it's nice because it basically says, "All right, everybody together, we'll all you know work together on this." This is pretty neat. Um, but then from like a technical standpoint you could see that as a, like, you and I have both worked on monoliths. We have seen code bases that have attempted to move from one piece of technology to another piece of technology and never actually finish, right? Like that that, that transition state <laughs> where you're like between two different technologies and you're like, oh my God, mm -hmm. we like, we're just stuck. Like this could be a really interesting option for people who thought that like, you know, okay, well, we need to keep pushing, we need to keep deploying, even though we want to move from one to the other, for whatever reason, uh, yeah. this could kind of be that nice middle ground. So you don't have to feel quite like, oh, shoot, well, now our, now we can't even deploy because we're in the middle of a tech change. Mm -hmm. um, could be pretty interesting. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, so... And also yeah. heard that um, so there's also so there, the Polymer conference was today and or is ongoing I don't know but uh, somebody was tweeting out about it and said that so I I Ionic the Ionic framework people mm -hmm. who um, make a JavaScript framework for uh, mobile pages basically or to build mobile applications with javascript html5 and stuff and it was based on angular 2 and it seems like they completely moved to native web components which gave them which gives them tons of speed because they don't have to load a lot of a uh, lot of uh, library code and stuff like that because it just works in the browser it's also very interesting and um, instead of compiling to um, optimized preact maybe it really should all just compile to web components. I don't know, you know, how well they already work in all the browsers, but I mean, it seems like maybe it's going into that direction. Web components mm. native in the browser mm -hmm. kind of thing. <clears throat> hmm. Yeah. Well, well, in any event, I think that's all our time. It is. <laughs> it is. So anyway, friends, um, come hang out with us. Talk to us in our in our Slack channel, which you can access via the show notes um, on uh, which you can get to via audio or reactive audio. 
And a huge, huge shout out, by the way, to two awesome people on Twitter who uh, shouted out uh, our podcast, um, both to Var James and Mountain Ghosts, two really awesome people who I've met in person. Um, they're they're both in, uh, I think, in the UK. Yeah, they're both in the UK. Um, so shout out to both of you across the pond. Um, we love it when our listeners say awesome things about us on the internet. So. Um, if you want a nice shout out, please come on into our into our channel or um, or you know whatever uh, or say something nice on on the internet too. <laughs> um, and also, I think uh, we were supposed to say that Var James actually said um, that they hate everything uh, besides except our podcast. Our podcast, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so. Um, Definitely, hello and thank you. And I think we had somebody new in our Slack channel too. Um, oh, this is. <laughs> oh, uh, uh, somebody new. Yeah, could be. Uh, oh, D Dime, D Y M. Yeah, D Y M. Yeah. So welcome. Uh, shout out to Dime Soyin, um, Dim Soyin, uh, over in our Slack channel. So major ups thanks for joining us mm -hmm. and all right cool um that's right and you can also uh, contact us on twitter at reactive pod uh, my twitter handle is khalil tweets and our ghost co-host henning <laughs> is uh, hgladagots on twitter and i am rockbot on the twitters come say hey and uh we'll chat with you again next week that's right Bye-bye. All right. Bye. <laughs>